Hi, our sponsor today is ProtonText, a complete SMS texting solution built for the Lightning platform by one of our previous guests, Pat McClellan. Here is reason number four that admins and users love this app. It's seamless. Whether you're blasting to 10,000 leads or responding with a automated text or having a one-to-one -one conversation with one person, the customer experience should be seamless. The Proton Blaster component lets you blast to thousands and then configure automated responses and forwarding to queues and users for personalized follow-up. And all of this is as easy as creating a calendar appointment. It's not magic, it's just good design. Learn more at protontext.com. Hey everybody, this is Xixiao. This is yet another episode of Salesforce Way Podcast. Today I'm sitting with a very famous person in the Salesforce ecosystem. His name is Eric Dreshfield. Hello, Eric. Hello, Xi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Doing well, thanks. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Definitely, definitely. You ask me, if I'm not a developer, am I okay to join your podcast? <laughs> I said, definitely, you know. I love to talk to people. And this podcast, even though it says to four developers, but, you know, everybody really has a story, has this value in the ecosystem. And I don't really think developers are only for coding stuff. You know, okay. a lot of things you are doing, definitely, I'm learning a lot from you. And I think it will bring values to all the other developers as well. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. So, Eric, uh, I, I'd like to introduce on your behalf because you have, you're wearing a lot of hats at the moment. I don't know how long you're going <laughs> to talk about your titles, but you are VP Delivery in IT Equity Company. That's the company you're currently working in, right? Right, and, that's correct. And you are Salesforce MVP multiple years already. And uh, right. you are the founder of uh, Midwest Dreaming. That's a community event. That's correct. And you are also yes, the leader of Southern Indiana User Group. Right. So that's also something you have been doing for multiple years, as I understand. That's true, yeah. And, like that all keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> and recently you have already posted out in the Twitter, you are the host of uh, Dreamforce Newbie Breakfast. So at right. least these are the like a famous things I know that you're doing. I don't know, do you have something else to add? That's probably it. That's enough, I think. <laughs> At least in the ecosystem, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I invited you, and you're happy to join, and then we talk about, uh, okay, what topics we're going to talk about. So you proposed community events as one of the topics. I was immediately hooked. Right. One of the reasons... I really want to have a Nordic, you know, this community-driven or community-led uh, Salesforce event happening in the Nordic countries. So we are a small place and mm -hmm. we are far, far away from the U.S. So as part of a Salesforce ecosystem, I really think we do need our own events. But that's my personal reason, yeah. you know, I invite you be here. But I also want you to share your you know, your fabulous stories about the, the whole community event. 
So let's just get started. Sure. Well, you know, the, the whole reason Midwest Dreamin' first got started was because in my first year working in the Salesforce platform, uh, I could not attend Dreamforce. It was the first year on the platform mm -hmm. for the company I was working at. Uh, their senior leaders needed to go. Their Salesforce administrator needed to go. Their developers needed to go. And from the company's perspective, I was the reporting analyst. Um, I was the guy managing the, all the reports mm -hmm. and building out all the dashboards that the the team needed to understand how the call center was operating uh, and, and what that company's customers were talking about when they called us. Um, I really wanted to go. I, I, I said to my manager, I said, I'd love to go to Dreamforce. It looks like a great event. And she basically came back and said, well, you can go, what? but we can't support you going. She said, we, we'll give you the time, but we won't pay for it because we don't have the budget. And ev everybody knows a week in San Francisco is expensive, uh, not to mention the cost of the conference itself, of course. And so – I thought, okay, I'll see what I can learn about the event online. I mean, this was this was 2011 mm -hmm. at that or 2010 at that point in time. They broadcast a few things online, just a couple of of the keynotes here and there, uh, and that was about it. So it, there wasn't a lot of of true online viewing at that point in time. But what I saw kind of hooked me on it, and um, you know, if I can't go to Dreamforce. Let's see what I can do to bring Dreamforce to me. And that purely selfish reason was exactly why Midwest Dreamin got started at first. It was, I missed going to Dreamforce, so I want to bring it here. I want to bring it locally to me so I can experience it. Um, I had this, it was a crazy idea. I've told some people, the way I described it before was it was this crazy, stupid idea just to start this conference to bring the mm -hmm. Dreamforce feel locally. Um, and so I talked to a few other people that I knew in the ecosystem who had done something similar in the past. Uh, there were a couple of community-led events that had taken place prior to Midwest Raymond starting. Mm -hmm. One was Snowforce, which is still active. Uh, that's out in Salt Lake City, Utah, every winter. And the other was an event that took place in like the Orlando, Florida area for two or three years back in the late 2000s. And it was called Dreamforce to You, Florida. And that was organized by... Um, Jennifer Phillips, who now works for Salesforce.org, uh, Jackie Trevieso, and Joshua mm -hmm. Hoskins, who are both longtime Salesforce MVPs. And so back in late 2009, early 2010, when I realized I wasn't going to go to Dreamforce in 2010, um, I reached out to those three individuals and said, hey, I want to do something similar to what you're doing in Florida, but up here in the Midwest – What's it take? I, I basically said, dump all your knowledge on me. Uh, tell me everything I need to know about how to run an event like this, how to pull it off, and 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 things like that. So through through the series of several phone conversations with those three people, mm -hmm. I kind of decided I'll give it a shot. Uh, it, it it seemed like there was it was manageable that I could probably do it. Um, so I, I kind of put some plans together, started. Um, contacting some potential sponsors for the event, uh, started also looking for a location to hold the event. And, and that was probably my biggest challenge at that point in time was how do you secure a location for an event when you don't have any money to give them to say, I'm going to hold an event on your, your location mm -hmm. and I want a fixed date. Because um, you know they're going to want some yeah. money down to hold the, the space for you. They're going to want to know you're going to be able to afford it. Um, and I didn't have any of that. 
it was a, it was all this idea in my head and and so what i what i did was kind of built a business plan of here's here's what i want the event to look like here's how many people i think are going to come here's what i'm going to charge the attendees to make sure they show up um, I, I first thought let's do it as a free event but then i realized for a sec that i thought about it and and it, it hit me that you know if it's a free event mm. some people may decide last minute oh i can't go i'm not going to lose anything mm. by not going so i won't show up so I thought I better charge them something just to kind of get a commitment on the attendees' perspective. And then, of course, I needed sponsors mm-hmm. because the event at the venue where, that I chose was going to cost some money. Um, and I didn't have the money on my own to pay for it out of my own pocket. Um, so I, I presented this business plan to the hotel that I chose, and they said, okay, looks solid. We'll work with you on it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was able to secure a date and a location without having to put any money down. Um, and as then I started selling the sponsorships to it. I got five or six companies involved that wanted a piece of it. Um, some of the companies that are still in the ecosystem today were sponsors of the original Midwest Raymond. Aptus, Acumen Solutions are two of the names that come to mind really quickly. Um, Blue Wolf, which is now part of IBM. Uh, that was another sponsor of the first Midwest Raymond. And so I, I, I started selling the sponsorships to, these, to the companies to pay for this event. At the same time, I started contacting all the user groups and their leaders in the Midwest and said, hey, I'm building this event. It's going to be a day-long event talking all about Salesforce, presentations from sponsors, from, from individuals within the community perhaps. Um, can you help me publicize this thing? And maybe some people from your area would like to come. And so we I, we built that out. Um, I think I used Eventbrite to sell the tickets to the attendees um, to come, so I could could process credit card payments and not have to worry about having to create something mm-hmm. on my own to do all of that. So I used tools that existed. Um, I should have tracked it all in Salesforce, <laughs> but I didn't back then. Um, <laughs> And I, I ended up with 100 people showing up for this day-long event in Louisville, Kentucky in May of 2011. Um, and I called it a success because I had enough money to pay for the event, and people showed up, um, which was cool. I mean, I thought that was really awesome. Um, shortly after the event, I, I got emails from people who attended or from the sponsors all talking about the event and how much they enjoyed it and wondered if it was going to become an annual event. Am I going to do this again? Um, so I thought, I, I thought, okay, there's <laughs> demand. People want this kind of event. So let's, let's work on it. So I can see that uh, from the things you have achieved for this uh, Middle West Dreaming, the whole story, I feel you like a businessman. You just kind of like create this demand. Maybe there is a potential demand for yourself and maybe the regional people in that region. They don't have the chance to go to the Dreamforce and they may have that need. And then you kind of pull the string and then make it happen. That's the kind of entrepreneurship yeah. and you know, spirit. That, that's some of the feedback that we've gotten from some attendees too uh, over the years at Midwest Raymond is – this is their dream force because their companies can't afford to send them or they work for a consulting firm, for example, and they have to do their 32, 35 hours a week billable. Mm. 
every week to to meet the goals of the company and they can't do that while they're sitting at Dreamforce in sessions all week long. Yep. So a, a two or three day limited scope event like Midwest Dreaming gives them the opportunity themselves to to learn and grow and, and see how others are using the platform while still maintaining their status and their billable hours with their own company and still having the ability to accomplish something mm. professionally that week that's not just professional development. Right, right. Yeah, and also nowadays we have so many so-called dreamen events. After you have created this such right. successful one, and uh, could you tell us what's the difference between the Salesforce organized official, you know, this big event, Dreamforce, or Trailhead DX, and the community events? Do you have a definition? About sure. That? Yeah. So, so the events that Salesforce runs are are more driven around the messaging that Salesforce wants to deliver to their customers and to their prospects. I, I, I sometimes call it the marketing fluff um, that, that Salesforce wants you mm. to hear. So like a um, corporate award. The community-led events, yeah, it's a, a corporate messaging is probably a really great way to put it. Um, but the, the community-led events are, are all organized and managed and run by members of the community. So they they have their, their hands on, their 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 fingers on the pulse of their local community really well. Um, most of the organizing team members of Midwest Dreamin and probably most of the other Dreamin events around the world are user group leaders in their local community um, or they're, they're strongly active in their local community groups. So they really understand what their own local members want to learn about, you know, the struggles that their local local community are having. And that helps drive the content and the themes of those events. So it's it's not necessarily Salesforce driving a message on here's mm. our new products, here's why they're great. It, it's more of individuals who have faced a challenge, figured out a way to solve it, and now they're sharing that process with everyone else because somebody mm. out there is going to face that same challenge or maybe already sitting there at their desk wondering, how am I going to solve X, Y, Z? And they go to a Dreamin' event, and they see someone presenting a solution on exactly that challenge, and they can turn around and go right back to work that following day and take that solution and implement mm-hmm. it, and it's a win. Um, so the the biggest difference, I think, really is is who runs it and the type of content that's delivered. Um, all of the local community events, Midwest Dreamin', London's Calling, um, down under Dreamin' in Australia, um, even the the new one this year that's in Morocco later this week, uh, North Africa Dreamin'. Those are all community-based. Um, the, the content is sourced from the community members, and it's all individuals who are users of Salesforce mm. sharing their stories about how they use Salesforce. Um, and that that's the kind of thing, and mm. to me, that it's that's that really hits home. Mm. And if Salesforce, the company, wants to a sponsor, they can also part of the sponsorship, right? And also the speakers from Salesforce company. Yeah, the, the Salesforce as a company definitely sponsors and supports these events to some mm-hmm. degree or another, um, and it varies based upon each individual community-led event as to how much involvement they want Salesforce to have. Um, for Midwest Dream in 2019, the, the one we had a couple of months ago, I had a lot of departments within Salesforce wanting to participate. Um, Einstein, um, Lightning Champions, of course, again this year. There were three or four other departments in Salesforce that wanted a, wanted a piece of the action, shall we say. Um, and at one point, one of the, the, the members of Salesforce said, 
it'd be really great if you could put all of the Salesforce teams that are sponsoring Midwest Dream in, in one location in the event and put us all in one corner, I think is kind of how they worded it. And so I did. I, I created a, a corner within the uh, the expo hall that was essentially the Salesforce corner. Um, and it had all of those various departments of Salesforce in one specific area, mm-hmm. kind of like they do at Dreamforce where they have the campground, yeah. where all of the, the the various parts and pieces of Salesforce have a spot in the campground. We sort of did that at Midwest Raymond with all of those Salesforce departments um, right in, in our expo hall surrounded by all the other sponsors. Mm. So. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Midwest uh, Dreamin is a three-day event at this moment, right? right? That's that's yeah. that's almost like a Dreamforce length. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's it started out as just a full day, okay, and then we went to a day and a half because we wanted to add a few additional things to it, mm. and we we've over the last two or three years. We've expanded it to, to covering three days, but as far as the total content, it's really two days. So it, it's an afternoon followed by a full day followed by a morning. Mm. So it, it's, it's, it covers three days, but it's not exactly three full mm. days. But that gives, that gives individuals the opportunity to, to get to the location that morning, settle into their hotel, get, get into a routine, uh, and then enjoy some of the event for the afternoon. Mm. And that first day... Uh, that afternoon of the the first day we generally only have a handful of sessions we don't do a lot of a lot of structured content if you will we have a couple of sessions we may have a keynote um, then and then it's it's an opening reception it's more of a chance for just people who are attending to to network and to get to know each other and to have some uninterrupted time to visit with sponsors Mm -hmm. and then the second day is is content driven it's almost wall-to-wall content the entire day uh, Midwest Dreamin has typically done three keynotes uh, over the last few years, so we have a morning and an evening keynote on that second day or that full day mm-hmm. of content, along with several breakout sessions um, and, and a demo jam, and the, the, the exhibit hall, of course, is open the whole time. And then on that final day, we have a handful of sessions and a closing keynote, and then we do our demo jam finale uh, on that last day as well as part of the closing mm. ceremony, if you will. But uh, are there a lot of uh, like these presentations or talks happening in parallel? Because this year I went to the Trailhead DX. It was like 20 in parallel. There's no way for me to join all of them. Right. Absolutely, yeah. We, we This year was a, the biggest year ever for Midwest Raymond for the number of sessions that we had. We, I want to. I think we had almost sixty breakout wow. sessions this year, um, spread across six or seven different rooms at the venue. So there were six sessions or seven sessions going okay. on every time slot. Um, so you definitely had all to right. pick and choose your sessions. Um, not everyone could attend all the sessions, of course. Just mm-hmm. like Dreamforce, it's impossible. Um, so it's it it takes some planning almost on your part as an attendee to figure out which sessions you want to go to. We we try to organize them in in rooms based on what type of session it is. So all the administrator sessions go in one room, all the developer sessions go in another room. We had a full a full nonprofit content this year as well. Um, so we, we try to make it easier for the attendees to realize if I want admin stuff, okay. I just need to sit in this room all day long, and and the content will come to me. Um, but you know they're free to bounce back and forth between whatever sessions they want to um, throughout the whole event. I see, I see. 
And um, do you also have some time slots that you specifically set for, like a socialize or network people with people? Do you have that? Yeah, we do. We 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 try not to have much going on during the middle of the day when lunch is being served, so people can mm-hmm. can relax and enjoy lunch. They can visit the expo hall then. Um, we we've have an, a reception. Uh, on the first night, so the, the, truly just nothing more than networking at that point in time. Um, okay. We we have thought about doing a second reception uh, on this the second evening, or possibly a closing reception after the event's over on that third day. Um, we're still working through some things on that. We may do it this year if we get enough dollars from sponsors to make all that happen. Um, we'll we'll probably look into that. Uh, this year is mm-hmm. actually going to be a little bit different. Because uh, the Witness Success Conference is taking place at the same hotel as Midwest Dreamin right after Midwest Dreamin. So we're looking at potentially doing a little bit of overlap with Witness Success where our closing keynote might become their opening keynote. And both groups of of attendees will be in the same room at the same time. Uh, And then we may do some sort of joint reception at the beginning of their event and the end of ours to, to mix and mingle between the two. There'll be some people who attend both, of course, um, mm. because that's had that's happened in the past as well. Uh, Witness success. I think this is now their fourth year, and their first year that they got started, they were in Chicago, right after Midwest Dreamin. It was at a different hotel, mm-hmm. but there was a little bit of overlap and 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 the ability for for some attendees to go to both again that year, uh, and so we partnered up again with them this year to do the same thing. I see. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Salesforce Way Podcast is all the time looking for both guests and topics. If you have guest recommendation or any topics you'd like to listen to, don't hesitate to let me know. My Twitter, LinkedIn, and the email information is at the end of the show notes of each episode. You can also find it on the salesforceway.com website. I really, really, really need help from you on this matter because only you, my lovely listeners, know what yourself want. So please help me invite great guests to talk on great topics so that we spread great knowledge. Now let's get back to the show. How much effort does it take for you to arrange? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a one year. One year, you know, it's once a year and you took the whole year. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's not far from the truth. That's true. Oh, Jesus. Um, it, it's, it's really, it, it's grown so much over the last few years that um, there probably isn't a week that goes by that I'm not doing something Midwest Dreaming related, whether it's, it's emailing a potential sponsor mm-hmm. or talking to some attendees. Uh, or getting on a phone call with a with a sponsor about the next year's event, um, or talking to Denise Carboni, mm-hmm. uh, who's my co-chair of the event, about some ideas for the upcoming event. Um, we haven't even had 2020's event yet. Uh, we're still several months away from that, mm-hmm. and I'm already looking at 2021 and a location <laughs> for that year. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's around the clock. Um, I've never really put a whole lot of thought into how much time I spend mm. on it, but I wouldn't be too surprised if if I tallied up the hours mm. and and during peak periods, mm. um, the first 
three to four months leading up to the event and the week of the event, it, I wouldn't be at all surprised if I spend at least 20 hours a week or more uh, doing nothing but Midwest oh. Dreaming. Um, my, my wife, she, she she and my kids have come to Chicago every year for the last three or four years so they could play tourist during Midwest Dreaming. <laughs> And this past year, when when the closing keynote was getting ready to start, my wife came into the event and sat down in the keynote room and took a picture of me up on stage, kind of introducing one of the speakers and talking a little bit about the event. And she posted it on Facebook, and she said, here's my husband, Eric, doing the thing that he does best, talking about Midwest Dreaming. It's the beginning of the closing event at this event, and she said, so in about another hour, I'm going to be married again, is how she worded it on Facebook. And, and I, it hit me at that point that, you know, she was kind of right. I mean, the last the last month or so leading up to Midwest Dream, and there's so many moving parts and so many things that we have to make sure fall into place to make sure the event's mm-hmm. going to be real and authentic and come off mm-hmm. the way we want it to, that I don't spend a lot of time with my family. Um, I, I I put a lot of effort into Midwest Dreaming, and they know it, and they support it. Uh, I mean, but but they miss me, even though I'm in the same house with them at the same time. Um, I, the, my mind is elsewhere a lot of times, and they realize that. So mm. I probably speak on behalf of everybody that organizes yeah. one of these events when I say we all appreciate our family support while we do these events, in addition to the support of everybody in the community who shows up and attends and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's it's a lot of effort for sure. It, it's something that if you're thinking about starting a new event, you got to keep that in mind. There's going to be a lot of work involved, and and it's it's an interesting cycle for me uh, with Midwest Dream. And I go through this this ups and downs of the, of the event. It's like okay. We just finished the event. Yay, it was great. Everything was cool. I had enough money to pay for it. It was awesome. Everybody loved it. And then I sit down and I think about all the work I did and what I got to do for next year and and what I need to do for my job and my family. And I was like, why do I put Mm. myself through all this every year for Midwest Dream? What what causes me to spend all this effort and put all this stuff into it? And it's like, do I really want to do this again? Is it worth all the effort? And then somebody hits me up through the community or at a local event that I'm attending or just a message through Twitter and says something along the lines of, Hey Eric, I attended Midwest Raymond this particular year. I learned something because of it and I took it back to my employer and they loved it. And and what they're doing is basically yeah. saying thank you. And it only takes one person telling me thank you for me to be able to do that event <laughs> over and over again every single year. And I get a lot more than one person coming up to me during the year mm-hmm. saying, thanks for Midwest Dreaming. And that's that's what I do it for is is just that occasional warm, fuzzy feeling knowing somebody learned something and it benefited them. That's what's in it for me. Yeah. So. I can totally see that it's also something you are really passionate about, right? So otherwise you won't spend so much time just to do it. Right. Yeah. Let me know what things you have benefited from this or organized this event and again and again and again? What's the biggest the benefit? Well, you know, um, I, th- I think if I, if I think about it long enough, in reality, for me, I, I think if I go back to the very beginning of Midwest Dream, and, and, and sure, I, I jokingly said it was a stupid, selfish idea that I had, but mm-hmm. if I think about it, a little bit longer than that, what I realized was happening was 
that was my way of giving back to the community because the community helped me. Um, I stumbled into my first job inside Salesforce simply because of, of spotting an ad in the newspaper for someone looking for a tech support agent to work at their company. Mm. Through through the course of that job and, and changes at that organization, they put me in a position that involved me in Salesforce. From that point forward, Salesforce was, was the thing I did. Um, my second role in the ecosystem I found because someone came to the user group meeting that I was leading and their company was getting ready to roll out Salesforce. And he introduced himself and told us about the company and said, well, we're still looking for a few more members of our team to, to fill it out and help us with this. And that was a company that I knew well in my local city because I tried to work for them before mm-hmm. uh, and was unsuccessful. And when he came to the meeting, I thought, you know what? Here's another chance for me to work at this great company. So as soon as that meeting was over, I went out to their website. I looked at the jobs they had available. I submitted an application for one of them. And then I sent this guy an email and I said, hey, thanks for coming to the user group meeting. Thanks for sharing the story about your company and what you're doing. I hope you found it useful. I hope you come back to to the next meeting and that we see you regularly. And then I said, and oh, by the way, watch for my resume because I just submitted an application for one of your Mm -hmm. jobs. Well, six weeks later, I was on the job working okay. for him, uh, and and he he told me one of the reasons that he hired me was simply because of my initiative for taking control of the user group meeting and leading it. He 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 liked that initiative, mm-hmm. and and the the skill that that showed that I had, and wanted to to take advantage of that at his company. So I I went up, ended up working for him. Um, I kept building Midwest Dream and kept building relationships with other companies and with other individuals through the community and through Midwest Dream, and, and that led me to discover my next employer uh, because of getting an invitation to something that happened at Dreamforce. Um, it was actually way back in 2015, I think, at that point in time, and that connected me to another company that I went to work for, um, and I think in reality my 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 connection to the community and my relationship skills and, and the ability to build relationships and, and get to know people, I think, is what helped me gain the position mm-hmm. of that company. Uh, and that's the company I just left uh, a couple of months ago, a month ago or so, uh, and to take the job I have now with IT Equality. And that's another one where I think the primary thing that drew me and IT Equality together was the relationship I had with the, the co-founders of the company, as well as as feeling really passionate towards the mission of that company and what they stand for. Okay. Uh, and I think that's all things that I've kind of built up over the years of being involved in the Salesforce ecosystem and watching so many other people be so passionate about diversity and inclusion, about other causes and things like that. And that's kind of what drew me to IT equality was, was that whole passion around diversity and inclusion and technology. Um, the, the whole, the whole tech industry for the most part, um, is run by, by white men, um, in, in the majority for sure. And I'm one of them. I'm a white man. Um, and IT equality is, is the, the very picture of what a diverse organization should look like. It's women led. It's, um, it's led by LGBTQ community members. Um, they're they're forty to fifty percent people of color on their staff. They're forty to fifty or sixty percent uh, transgendered or gender nonconforming. Uh, I'm I'm literally the minority <laughs> of being a white man at this technology company. I am the only white oh. male at this company, 
um, it, yeah. it's amazing, in my opinion. It's really pretty yeah. phenomenal to to be such a minority in such a company like that. Um, it, it really just helps me connect better, I think, with the, with the whole ecosystem and to realize that, that all of those labels are really just labels. Uh, on, the, on the outside, people can look vastly different, and that's mm-hmm. totally fine. On the inside, everybody in the Salesforce ecosystem seems to have the same passions, the same driving factors. They want to skill. They want to learn skills. They want to empower people. They want to create better lives for themselves and for other people. Um, it's, it's like an egg. You know, I've seen a graphic before on that's that shows brown eggs and white eggs next to each other, and then when you crack them open, they're both mm-hmm. yellow and white. They look the same on the inside and vastly different on the outside, and it, it just it just struck me through conversations that that was kind of what I wanted to be, where I wanted to be, that the organization helped support all those things that felt so good to me. So um, it felt natural to for me to, to to move over and take a role with IT Equality. Fabulous, fabulous story. I really love what you just mentioned. The whole thing, you know, about the company, about uh, the things you have achieved. Thanks, Eric. I think we can have an excellent spot to, to round up our session. Do you still have something else you want to say? Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. Sure. Um, I always always appreciate the opportunity to talk about the community uh, and, and, and help other people and help them realize what the power of the community really has to offer. So uh, hopefully some of your listeners will will enjoy that and will realize uh, that if they have a struggle with Salesforce, all they got to do is ask the community and they'll get their answers. Thanks, Eric. Really great to talking to you today. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Thanks bye-bye. for having me.